Welcome to Lavish Hope Season 3. I'm Liz Testa. In Episode 2, I welcome back Jael Serrano Altamirano, a wife and mom, radio host, nonprofit business owner, and pastor in Southern California. She joined me one year ago to share how she stayed hopeful and resilient in the midst of an ongoing journey to see her husband, Alan, be released from ICE detention. Two months after we spoke, the miraculous news came, and since then, Jael and Alan have been in the process of navigating life, ministry, and the amazing possibilities God has laid on their hearts. In this episode, we get to hear from both Jael and Alan to share their journey and the many lessons learned. To put this in context, they had been married for less than a month when their world turned over. And as Alan so poignantly shares, nothing in his life up to that point prepared him for what 20 months of detention would be like. Surrounded by strong, faithful parents and supporters, this dynamic duo overcame unbelievable odds, staying faithful and grounded, and even founding a nonprofit to help other detainees and their families. In the 11 months since Alan's release, they have continued to lean into their callings, build their ministries, process and heal, and this is the best part, grow their family. You don't want to miss this rich, multifaceted episode full of spiritual and practical inspiration on how to stay hopeful, purposeful, and healthy in the midst of adversity. Let's dive in. Welcome to Lavish Hope Season 3. I am so delighted as your host, Liz Testa, here today, coast to coast, me on the East Coast with my um, guests here today uh, in Los Angeles area, Jael and Alan Altamirano. Uh, you all uh, know Jael because a year ago she and I got together and talked on the podcast about what, uh, what was going on in her life and her husband's life. And God has been faithful in this last year. So we thought it would be wonderful to get back together again, the three of us this time on the podcast, just to catch up with them and hear what is happening in their lives. So welcome, welcome to the podcast, Alan and Jael. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves. Yes, no, thank you for, for having us. Um, this is my first time uh, being on your on, on your podcast, so it's an honor. And uh, it's an honor and glory for God that gives us this opportunity to be here, this opportunity mm -hmm. to share what God has and continue to do in our lives so we can share it. Uh, what God does for us is not for us to keep it and lock it away. Yes. That's not what God intended, his miracles, his power, um, and, and his desires. No, it's for us to share it. It's for us to touch the world. It's for us to bring those that are in loss of hope for whatever it is that they're going through, whether if it's something similar or if it's something that they're going to go through. People need to hear this. Praise God. I believe truly in my heart, since I was detained wrongfully, I, I believe that I was there to serve a purpose. Amen. And Amen. Then now that I'm out here, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the same purpose, but just more in, 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 in a bigger magnitude um, than just being locked up in a cell of like four by four. So now I have, now we have the whole world that Praise we uh, come across to and, and touch their hearts. Praise God. 
Hi, guys. It's Janelle Serrano-Altamirano. Thank you, Pastora, for having me again. And uh, it's a privilege to be here, to be honest, because, you know, it's like my husband was mentioning, a testimony to be talked about, not to stay quiet. We always have to give God the glory and give God the honor and what he continues doing, continues to do. And so I'm excited for this podcast. I'm excited for what God has in the Holy Spirit for this day today. Beautiful, beautiful. So tell our listeners a little bit about yourselves, your ministry, your family, just give them a little taste of who you are. So we are um, radio hosts for Radio Impacto, 105.5 FM, Corona, California. And obviously it transmits to Texas and Dominican Republic. So we have the two other radio stations there. So speaking quickly about myself, um, I'm a mom. Um, just had a newborn, so trying to juggle <laughs> three kids at once, but it's it's an honor. Um, I just was commissioned pastor in September, so we are starting our church launch, our official Sunday service in April of 2022 of this year. Um, in October, we started our Bible studies. That's just been an honor and a glory, and it just helps me learn more. I learn more. I grow more. So it's an honor. Um, we, I still, I remember last year I talked about an organization called Unity. We still have it today. Um, it's going to, in June, it's going to be two years of having Unity. So that's a, that's an honor and a glory. Um, studying full-time, um, with school, you know, want to, like I tell my dad, I want to catch up to him. <laughs> studying, studying <laughs> and of course, being a mom and, um, yeah, with the church. So just, just exciting for, for what this year and what God has. Beautiful, beautiful. So I'd like to take us back to let's go back a year to where you were when we did our podcast. Alan was in detention, mm-hmm. ICE detention, and you were remaining faithful. You guys were communicating. You had started to build a ministry while you were in there, Alan. Um, and so I think if you can give us a little snapshot of that, um, and then and then what happened? <laughs> On March 5th. <laughs> I remember, like you said, Pastora, we were here, we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, my process and what I was going through. And now we see the miracle. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, we I remember sharing with you, we did protests, we did prayer, we did mm-hmm. everything. And I just started seeing that a lot of people were coming out, you know, and I'm like, God, mm-hmm. my husband, God, my husband. Mm-hmm. But with that, I learned, Pastora, that, God wanted to get the glory. And the reason why I say that is easily a judge could have given him a bond. Easily the protests, they could have been like, okay, let's let them out because we're doing protests or we're having news coverage on us because obviously they don't like all that news coverage. They don't like all that attention. Mm-hmm. But it was on March 5th. I remember I was on my way to go do taxes and I get a call. And they, prior to that, they have called me already four times that they were going to let him go. They were going to let him go. And they never did for almost a year. I would get those same calls. March 5th comes and they said, oh, they're letting him out. They're they're releasing him. And mind you, I was like, okay. I started crying, but it wasn't really, I wasn't really sure because they did this to me a couple times. So I remember they're like, no, he really is. Be there for to be exact. I remember I was sitting down, I was crying. I was calling my mom. I was vlogging it, doing a documentary. And I remember sitting down when I was doing my makeup to get ready. Cause mind you, I haven't seen him in a long time. So I want to, you know, look beautiful. (laughs) 
I remember I just sat down and God was like, do you trust me or you don't? Do it my makeup. And I say, okay, no, I'm going to go confident that he's going to get out. Because like I said, I will go when they will tell me they'll go out and he they wouldn't release him. So when I was getting my makeup and doing that, I remember now being on my way. And when I just saw the gate opened and I saw my husband coming now, I'm like, God, I am sorry for questioning you. I am sorry for doubting you. I am sorry for putting my selfish desires. I had to learn to change my prayer. Mm-hmm. Not, God, when are you going to take my husband out? But God, I believe and I trust that your timing is perfect when you're going to take him out. I had to learn to change my prayer. And that's something that we need to do is learning to change the way how we talk to God and being with sincere and honesty. Because God is not a microwave. God is not a genie. He's a loving God that wants to show us patience. And when we pass through that endurance, when we go through that, God's going to say, you've been through that. You passed through that. Let me show you what else I could do with you. So I just had to do with a lot of learning and, and, and patience because mm-hmm. his timing is perfect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is a podcast about lavish hope. And it just feels to me like when you experience that, you know, finally your husband was being released because he had been in detention for how long? You had said since the August of the year before. A year and eight months. And just to refresh our listeners' memories, if they didn't have a chance to listen to the previous podcast, you all had just gotten married, right? When he was detained. Yes. 26 days. 26 days. You two had been married and Alan gets put in detention. And so for this, how it was how many months he was in detention? 20. 20. <clears throat> 20 months. So just a little over a year and a half, right? That <laughs> there he was in detention. And you, I mean, so when you were just talking about needing to stay faithful and having patience, that's what we're talking about. It was from then. Right. I mean, like that was a huge exercise in patience for you. So so thanks for sharing that from your perspective. So then, Alan, um, yes, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you here now able to speak um, first person. We had you with us last time, but it was in the third person. But just to to share with us a little bit about um, what that experience was for you. And, you know, we always talk about resilience and overcoming. So if you can share it all, like what does resilience mean to you? And how did you have to develop that while you were um, in detention? Yes. Um, thank you, Pastora, for, 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 for having me. Um, like my wife said, it's, it's a miracle. It, it really is. Mm-hmm. Everybody, meaning the judges, the government, said I would never see the the United States again. Wow. Um, so starting from the beginning, um, <clears throat> I did the first couple of weeks. It was hard for me to understand it. It really was. It, it I fell into the flesh in the ways of saying why. Continue mm-hmm. to question why. Not questioning God's power. But just questioning why, like, like why is this happening? Mm-hmm. I don't understand what's going on. I've always tried to. Yes, I'm not perfect, but I've always lived a tried to live a righteous path uh, for the world, right? Whether if I was really into God or not, but always do things was right, pay taxes. What I thought was doing things are right, never getting a ticket. Mm-hmm. Uh, never going to jail, no drugs, no alcohol, none of that. 
And I looked at my surroundings and I wonder, well, I'm surrounded by people that are completely the opposite of me. That's where it hit me. But to go a little bit more back into what the story is, and I have to share this because this all ties in into the testimony. Mm. When we got married on August 3rd, 2019, uh, we went to our honeymoon, right? For a whole week, we went to our honeymoon. We actually drove from California to Oregon and back and stopped at, you know, a lot of hotels and restaurants mm. and just to rest and just road to trip. road trip. Yeah, and just to enjoy the city because <laughs> that's, that's what we like. Um, and then when we came back, we actually attended, um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it because you're in the East Coast. It's a, a pastor named Greg Laurie. I don't know if you heard of him. So Greg Laurie, okay, he's a huge pastor here. He does, um, what's the even? Oh, it's Harvest. called Harvest. So it's free. So it's a Christian uh, concert with message and uh, altar calling, but it's at a stadium. So we oh, it's at wow. a, a baseball stadium. And the entrance is free. You just pay for anything that you want to eat inside and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, but that day, that night, I felt the Holy Spirit when they were uh, uh, doing the altar calling and prayer. And I say, God, this is the moment that you've called me out for. Because I've had the visions of my wife and I preaching in stadiums. Mm-hmm. And I said, but Lord, not to disrespect you or anything, but I'm not going to be content just preaching in California. I'm not going to be content just preaching in, 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 in the U.S. I, my wife and I, our heart, our desire is to preach your word worldwide. Wow. Okay. So beautiful. Then the day came that I got detained. Wow. I didn't understand it. And then I understood that I was different from everybody. Not to judge. No, I just knew that spiritually I was different than everybody. Mm-hmm. It had been prophetized three times that I was going to be a, a, a pastor, but I didn't listen. I said, no, are you crazy? No, me? No, I don't think so. It wasn't even in my desire to do it. But that's just like like like, like the Apostle Paul. He was a persecutor mm-hmm. of, of Christianity. And look, look who he became, the amazing Apostle Paul. Anyways, so when I when I got there and weeks passed by, my father-in-law uh, had some words for me that I never thought I would hear because I was hurt. You know, I was seeing them and I would cry. They would cry. We're separated. And he said, I don't worry about you. And that was hard to swallow. I was like, excuse me? <laughs> I mean, what did he? He's like, no, I just need you to really get into God's word and do what God is calling out you to do. Second, my mother-in-law, don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about my daughter. And I said again, excuse me? God has us. He is in control. He's taking care of us. I need you to take care of God's work inside there. Then that is really where the last part just completely fulfilled everything that God had a plan and a purpose for me. That prayer that I said that I wanted to preach to the nations, it wasn't how I envisioned it. Mm. I envisioned it, my wife and I flying, traveling, driving. But little did I know that God put me in a position where I did preach to the world, to the nations. Being in the detention center, I was able to preach South Africa, Brazil, all Southern, uh, uh, all Southern America, Guatemala, Salvador, 
Honduras, Nicaragua, as far as Russia, China, uh, North, South Koreans. Uh, I can go on all day. So I had to do services, both Spanish and English, and interpreters that understood Chinese and English so they could translate. So when I saw that, I said, this is, God answered just his way, not my way. That's unbelievable. So you're saying that when you were in detention, you had the opportunity to start doing worship services and prayer for all the nations, for all these different people who are also being detained. And that is where I understood where my prayer was, God, I'm not going to contend. So it was a test. He said, I'm going to put you there and you need to do the work that you so desire because it's in your heart. You desire it. And you say your name comes out of your mouth, my name, you know, God's name. And you want to do my work. So then I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. Now, I could have been like a lot, like a a lot of the people and just sleep all day, uh, moan and cry all day and do nothing all day. Just watch TV and lay down. But no. And there was a book that my wife continued to buy. (laughs) Uh, She continued to say, babe, read Joseph. And I'm like, no. Read Joseph. No. And I'm like, but why is she telling me? Well, because God was telling her for me to read Joseph. When I read Joseph, that is where literally I felt so much peace because uh, God was talking through my wife to tell me, you need to have Joseph's attitude. You need to have Joseph's leadership. You need to be able to trust in me. Even though in the book of Joseph in Genesis, you never see where, where God spoke to Joseph. You never see where, 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 where Joseph appeared. I mean, where God appeared to Joseph for him to know that God was with him. He just knew he was because of everything that, that everything that he touched, everything he prospered. God was with him. So he knew that God was with him and his family and throughout his whole journey, whether if it was with, with, with Portifar, with, with being a slave, whether if it was when he was in jail, and then when he ended up with, with being the right hand of, 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 of the Pharaoh. And, and what he did for his family. Mm-hmm. So at the end, when I started to think about really meditating God's word and see what God wanted me to do, I'm like, this is the beginning of something great. Mm, praise God. But I had to understand it. I had to get deeper to his word. So when it comes to resilience, that's what that is. How do you, where do you get the power to overcome something like that? Well, there's only one answer. And that's the almighty the all-powerful. That's our Father, God. See, the scripture was giving me the strength. Yes, my wife was there for me. My wife was there to push me. But my wife wasn't there with me. God was with her and with me. He was right there next to us. And that's where I knew that I had to overcome, like you were telling me, the resilience. How did it? Well, God's word. Reading his word. Falling in love with his word, falling in love with what God has for you, whether if it's for death for him, whether if it's suffering, because I've never in my life experienced being behind bars, being mistreated, Hmm. being isolated for preaching God's word, being punished for preaching his word. Never have I thought that I would go through. You would read it about it in scripture and you would read it on the news about going on in third world countries that are poor, poverty or, or, or they, they still chase Christianity. Like, you know, like the, the Chinese, you know, they, 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 they still persecute them and kill them if they find out 
I had mm-hmm. so many stories of of, of Chinese uh, people that were telling me that yeah, we have to hide our services, and they would wow. make sweaters that said you know uh, please free us you know uh, mm-hmm. in China they they kill Christians until the day they do. So for me to understand that I had to go to a place where God said I need to show you what I'm preparing you for because you're going to get a taste of it in here for 20 yeah. months. So like I said, for the first couple of weeks, it was hard for me to understand that. It mm-hmm. really was because I didn't have Joseph's attitude. Mm-hmm. I had the world's attitude. Why? Why? Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. And something that my wife said that was so powerful is what she did, what God put for her to do through unity, through through prayer, through through fasting, through all the um all the protesting wasn't for me see that's the beauty about it it wasn't and i had to understand that it wasn't for me wow because it wasn't just me that needed it i had to understand that what she was doing see god had my own release at my own time god was saying don't worry about it son i i got i got you but what you and your wife need to do is help the others that need me so when they get out they continued, you need to plant that seed. But all that prayer they did, because like my wife was saying, why is it so many people were being released? I mean, through the COVID in October, three almost 400 people got released in October of uh, 2021. And the protests we did, um, the one in LA for the five days that we were praying and fasting, mm-hmm. um, the judge that day released 250 people with wow. that protest. So wow. we see God's hand. We see God's power. We see that he answers his, our prayers. But sometimes we need to understand that it's it's his timing is perfect. But the, what we do, it's not always for us. Us, We can't be selfish and yeah. be in God's word. It's not for us all the time, for us, for our benefit. I'm just thinking for our listeners here, who I'm sure are as riveted as I am to hearing your story, because we don't often hear the stories of what happens when it's someone like yourself that is detained, right? Like, what is that story of what happens on the inside, as they say? Um, and and I'm just I'm so compelled by this um, this idea of you, this walk of obedience and humility. Those are the two words that just kept washing over me as you were sharing that you had to humble yourself, um, and that and that you had to be obedient to what God was calling you to do and and listening, right? You had your wife giving you wise counsel. You had your father-in-law, your mother-in-law giving you wise counsel. And, and you were able to be obedient to receive what it was, process. You know, we, we talk about process, right? You were saying you're still in the process, right? This is all the process. Um, that's life's journey, right? This is a journey. It's not like you're going to complete something. Um, it's always moving. And so, I just really, I'm, it just really resonates for me that there was this uh, this walk in obedience, Alan, that really created space for you to be able to build that resilience and to be able to see what it was that God did have for you. Yes. Right? No, Do you it, agree it, with that? Does that make sense, what yes, I'm saying? Pastor, yes, Pastor. And, 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 and that is more than 110% because in order for us to do God's work, we have to be in his word. We have to be connected with him. Mm-hmm. spiritually mm-hmm. in order for us to see his path that he's illuminating for us and then comes that obedience we have to be mm-hmm. obedient but in order one of the things that i've learned when i was detained when i started to read the scripture not my way but his way of understanding yes. 
the scripture and what he wants to, and he wants us to learn about was if I can sum up the whole Bible into one word, it's transformation. And that's what happened with me, with us. I had to transform into what God, he, he's a potter and I'm the clay. Mm. So I, I, I had to allow him to mold me and transform me into what he wanted me to be. And when you talk about humility, before going into this, I really didn't understand what being humbled was. I, I've always heard it. I read it, the definition. I, I, I thought I lived it, but I never really understood what it is to actually be humble, to give, to just sit there and also take punishment for something that I didn't do, which humbled me. In the beginning, I was being destroyed because I'm like, I'm in this little cell where barely four people fit, sharing one toilet. There's no privacy. There's no hygiene. There's no nothing. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. Whether well, if that person is sick, then that's, I mean, that's it. You're in a place where you can get something. Um, but I had to humble myself and be able to give back. Um, also to take in criticism, uh, not to get angry. Uh, to be attacked verbally, physically, whether somebody didn't agree on 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 my views of God, um, whether if the uh, officers didn't, you know, allow me to sing, you know, I would get threats from them and saying, you know, why am I going to say names, right, to protect myself? But I would get threats of saying, you need to stop your singing or whatever it is you're doing. If not, we're going to put you in solitary. And I didn't allow that to stop me. And yes, I got put into solitary. They didn't give me food for a couple of days. I wasn't able to shower. But even in those moments, I had to understand that I had to rejoice in these trials. I had to rejoice knowing that God was building me for something. And just Mm -hmm. because I didn't eat or shower for a couple of days, that wasn't going to kill me. I just needed to show them that I would stand firm for what I believe, which is what what, Mm -hmm. God. I would get things stolen from me. Um, and I had to just give back and and my wife would, (laughs) they would deposit money into my commissary. Right. And so commissary basically is your family could, from the outside could deposit you money, um, because the food wasn't all great in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some of the stuff was bad, rotten, um, Mm -hmm. didn't taste well. And and you never really got protein. It was all, uh, I don't want to say fake food, but I mean, we were grateful. But (laughs) Processed, processed food, right? Yeah, institutional. Well, that and it was soy based. And so you really didn't get meats, that protein. So a lot of people would get weak, would get sick because you're like, why is everybody getting sick and, and, and weak and what's going on? It was because of all that. But what the commissary is, our family members could actually from the outside deposit money into our personal account. So you can buy extra things that the detention center offered, whether if it was chips or any kind of other protein, like we had uh, chicken, like pure chicken breast, excuse me, uh, but it would come in the back. It was a processed one, but at least you had that. You can buy tortillas, you can buy uh, cheese. And, you know, we make ourselves, you know, we make up things, you know, we had our mm-hmm. version of pizza, our version of burrito, our, our mm-hmm. version of tacos, quesadillas. We had our own version, but that's how we would uh, uh, survive with the protein. And but the thing is that when when I talk about humility, is I used to be a person before Christ, right, um, where I didn't really share. Mm-hmm. I would not like to share. It was all about me. It was all about my strength. It was about that everything that I do was because I did it. 
Mm. Never was it because God has allowed it. God gave me the strength. God gave me this job. God gave me this. God, you know, it was never like that. So one of the, the stories that I always tell people is even when I see I would see somebody homeless right off the freeway, I would I would be the kind that would raise my window right, you know, and and ignore them, not knowing that maybe that was one of God's children that He was just sending me to help them out. Mm-hmm. And and I never understood that till now. And how did I understand that? Well, I would always buy things for everybody. And I would tell my family, uh, I need more money. And they'd be like, what do you mean if we just deposited money into your account? I'm like, well, it's not really for me. It's just I really started to see the hunger. Mm. I really started to see how other countries didn't have what we have. And how sometimes we can be so ungrateful with God. Mm. That even if we have a plate of beans and rice... And one tortilla that we're so ungrateful and we say, well, God, thanks, you know, but I wanted more. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I would see that hunger and I would hear the stories of how people had to cross the Amazon and they would see dead people on the way there. They would see mm-hmm. people that would hang themselves. They would see people that had starved. They would see people that didn't, that, that, that would dehydrate and die on their path to get to the United States. And mm-hmm. people don't realize, see, Humans tend to judge and just make fun of immigrants, you know, and 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 say how they're all rapists or they're all bad people or they're all druggies. No, I met so many people that if you if people were to meet them and give them the opportunity, they would see the potential mm-hmm. in these human beings. Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that, I said, wow, like there's no reason why I, we should ever be ungrateful. Even if we go one day without eating, there's people that have gone months and months without eating. Mm -hmm. And then that's when I said, okay, God, continue to work with me. Continue to change me. Because when I get out, I know this is going to be 10 times more than what it is in here. But God had to show me everything to prepare myself for what was was, he's working To bring to to my wife and I with all of our 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 ministries, and like she said, the radio, the unity, the church, our church launch, mm-hmm. everything that we want to do with the elderly, with the homeless. So God was preparing us for us to have a heart, but to have that strong character as well to take on a dark world full of you know just darkness, and for mm-hmm. us to be the light for them. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing so honestly and uh, openly, vulnerably about your experience. Because again, I think for so many people, we just don't know. We don't know. And so you're illuminating that, that, um, you know, that, 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 that situation that you went through and also helped us understand it through that lens of resilience and overcoming. It's just incredible. So Take us through now. So you've 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 been there. You're coming to the end of your stay. Um, you were naming that you guys you started getting money. And this Dale was talking to us this, about this a year ago. So it's interesting to hear yeah. your version of it from the inside. She shared about how you guys started this whole organization, right? From this need that you saw. So give us a little little snippet about that. Yeah. So Unity, um, like I mentioned. The, the when I was depositing money, it was like gone, like almost like today. I'm like, 
that, that was a hundred dollars. That was a hundred fifty dollars we just put in your commentary. But yeah, so now uh, fast forwarding, we already has helped have helped thirty eight families, um, and some of those families because they are out or they do leave, um, we lose contact. But w- right now, we have contact of about ten families that we still keep in contact with them. So and with that, about three weeks ago, uh, about three weeks ago, he got a, my husband got a call of, um, of the last detainee that was in there. And he was the one that we were just waiting for and praying to be released. So all the families that we have helped out just three weeks ago, they're all out. They're all free. So now that everyone's out, like you guys are finishing with unity. I'm like, no, we just started because unity is something that we just don't want to do now that my husband's out. Oh, that's it. Unity's done. No, we want to continue, you know, helping more families. So right now we're in looks of, you know, finding families that, you know, need help. Um, if it's even because we were helping the people in Adelantos, um, about two people out of state. So I want to find more detention centers that are in need um, mm. and they, you know, need family. So I'm, I'm in search of that. Um, but yeah, Jail, can you just can you just say exactly what it is when you're saying you're helping the families? Can you just say exactly yeah. what that means? So what we do is one, we either deposit them into the commissary or helping the families out here is, for example, for Thanksgiving, the ones that were released, it was their first Thanksgiving out. Same mm-hmm. way with my husband's first Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. So I even did it on my YouTube channel. We did a food basket. Mm-hmm. So when people the people that bought shirts, we ended up doing four food baskets. Mm-hmm. Four or five. Four or five mm-hmm. food baskets. We we made their first Thanksgiving meal, and we also gave them a turkey. So it was their first Thanksgiving as a family with their mm-hmm. loved ones. So we do food baskets. We deposit money to the commissary. We buy Christmas gifts because mm-hmm. you know the little kids, their parent, their dad, or their mom is detained. So a lot of single moms that are out here that are struggling because their provider is detained. We bought them Christmas gifts, saying, "Oh, like you know, from your dad." Mm-hmm. You know, a Christmas gift from your dad. So we've done that. Oh, um, so it's just just helping out and anything they need. Right now, our plan is also to help a Haitian family that's a family of four, maybe getting them clothes or doing a food basket for them. Well, we see their need and what they need. So that's what we do. That's fabulous. And you you got in contact. So at first it started because Alan was meeting people that were in detention with him, right? There were there were mostly men, right? You were with men that that the the dads or men that needed and then you got in touch with their families on the outside outside, as they say. My husband works on Rikers Island, so we know that inside outside language. Um <laughs> But it's still, I just didn't know if it's used the same way as in incarcerated situations, as in detention. But it sounds like it's the same, the same language, right? The same lingo. But you, so then you would connect with the families on the outside and then you could help build that bridge and then help support them when they came out as well. I know because I saw your videos that when there were families that were, you know, there was somebody coming outside and... We went the to wife the or the mom or yeah, or the daughter, or whoever was just so excited to see their okay. loved one. Yeah, that's so beautiful. So then um you have unity that you're still working on, you're still growing that. It's so beautiful. 38 families, praise God. I mean, that's just amazing. And then you also have a new church that you're starting. So tell us a little bit about that. That's so exciting. Yeah, so uh, I'm so excited. It's just God is so good, you know, because I've always wanted, um, um, you know, when they if they ask a question, who do you look up to? Obviously, God. But my role model has been my parents, you know, Mm -hmm. what they do and how they help. And 
it's just, I want to, I'm like, God, like, you know, give me the capacity that my parents have, you know, I wanted to be like them, you know, having all four kids and still doing the ministry. And so um, anyway, so yeah, when I was commissioned pastor, it was such, it was exciting, but to be that, you know, you can't just say, Oh, I'm just commissioned pastor. That's it. No, God has took me into a challenge, meaning I went step by step by step by step growing my faith, you know, with the process of my husband, because if God wanted to, he could have made me commission pastor when my husband's out or before I met my husband. But God's timing was perfect. You know, faith was something and patience was something that I learned heavy, heavy through that process. So now the day of tomorrow, if something does face me, I'm like, God, I know you got this. The same way you got with my husband, you got this, you know, instead of now thinking about it or overthinking it. Um, my faith is now firm, you know, in the Lord. So God was um, moldeando me, like, he was uh, molding me, you know, to now be where I'm at. You know, a lot of us, especially wives or even husbands, we expect things to be like a microwave fast. Boom, boom, boom. No, it doesn't work that way. God needs to pass us through the trial. God needs to pass us so he can mold us and what into his liking and where he wants us to where he wants to take us. Because I don't know if you heard that saying, we make our plans and God laughs at them. Yes. You know, because God is perfect and he knows what he does. Well, everything mm-hmm. he does is perfect. And I'm glad that God took me to become a commission pastor now. Um, one, because my husband was there to support me and experience that with me. And because like I said, my husband could be the 10 and I could be a commission pastor. No, obviously who wouldn't love that spouse support? Like, good job, babe, you did it, you know, um, to be there for you. So um, I thank God for that. So in April, we're starting because I just had a baby. So it wasn't like no point of starting the church in January and be like, OK, I'm going to get some time off. Uh, you know, so we wanted to wait till April to start that. Um, it's been a blessing. I remember the first day of our Bible study, which was in October. Um, I was I was nervous. I was scared, you know. Um, and this is with that day we were doing coffee and donuts. And this is so funny because God just keeps testing us every day, right? So then I remember I was like, okay, babe, we're, we're only going to get maybe one box of donuts and like just like 24 sodas. Like, let's just, you know, let's keep it because we don't know who's going to come, who's not going to come. Right. And I remember my mom came in and she saw that I was nervous because I was in my dad's office. She was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just nervous. And something she told me, she's like, if it's only one, right? If it's only one, that's all that matters. It only takes one. God left 99 for one. And that's just stuck in my head. I'm like, okay, mom, you're right. You know, if it's only one, if it's only one. So, so for the Bible study, 35 people came. Oh my goodness. 35 people came and it was just the first start, you know, it was just the oh first day. Word. And I remember, that's so beautiful. I even told one of the deacons that they're from the La Senda, because the Path Church is La Senda, but we're just the English side. So, you know, we okay. the same church yeah. and everything. So we're just the English. So side. your parents have a church called La Senda. Mm-hmm. It's in Corona, California. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. Just outside of LA. And so now you're starting an English language, mm-hmm. right? It's English. Mm-hmm. Called the path, La Senda, yes. the path. Okay, correct, beautiful. So it's it's the same church. So the deacon from La Senda, I was like, "Can you go and buy more donuts? Because we're gonna need more donuts." <laughs> and I learned my lesson from there. You know, don't 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 test God. Don't try God. Just be prepared and have a faith of where your faith is at. 
you know, okay, or 50 people are going to come or, you know, 60 people are going to come. It's always better to have extra than, you know, to need leftovers, uh, to have, to need to go buy more. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was exciting. So God just keeps, you know, day by day, just showing me, hey, don't test me. I did this. I could keep doing it and keep doing it and just have the faith and just know yeah. that God. Well, we plant in water and God will bring the increase, right? There you go. So you guys were being faithful to plant in water and look at what happened. It's so beautiful. And to add to that story, and this is now a little bit of our, 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 our love story. Yes. Is, <laughs> is that my desire was to always, and this is how beautiful God works for us. We just don't see it at times. And when she said to work together, see, it was both of our desires to to both have that spouse, even before we met. And, and, and we shared this with one another as we started dating, is that to work side by side with our loved one. Mm, so that was beautiful. always something I wanted, but I've never had. That is mm. something she wanted, but she had never experienced or had as well. And so when we met, we, well, when I met her, I met her in a garage, which was my, which was my mom's garage on Mother's Day, 2019. And when I a saw garage? her in a garage, you mean, you mean like a parking garage or like uh, a, no, oh, a parking no, no, no. garage? Okay. A house garage, like my mom's garage. Oh, your mom's garage. Okay. Yes. Long story short, because this is a long, we could have a whole podcast just on our, our love, on how we talk about love. Uh, as she came in and I saw this glow and the Holy Spirit told me, that's going to be your wife. I didn't even know her. Wow. I didn't know her. I didn't know who she was. I, I really didn't. I didn't know anything about her. All I knew is I saw this woman. All we know is that our mom's been knowing each other for almost 15 years. And I, I, I didn't even know that. I, <laughs> I didn't even know, know who her mom was. Oh, but wow. apparently my mom and her mom, which is now my mother-in-law, Knew each other for over 12, 15 years, but they never spoke about us. They never really said, oh, yeah, I have a son or I have a daughter. Da, da, da. Uh-huh, and, uh-huh. And, and they never met outside or, or, or in, a, in a family gathering environment it was where, more, where we would cross. It was more than just one on one personal them yeah. being friends Counts, and, like counseling. and counseling mm-hmm. and just being friends and then sitting for a quick tea or coffee. And or dinner, and then just talking about themselves. That's yeah. it. Yeah, because you know when you do counseling, you know the person's there to listen, not talk about their right, life. You know? Right, right. So my my mother-in-law uh, came in kind of for counseling because she'd been listening to the radio and everything. And then when I went into the garage, that's where I met her for the first time as well. She's like, "Oh, you're the one that does the radio." And I'm like, "Yeah," but like never knew he was going to be there. Oh, so that's that, so beautiful. Okay, so you met in the garage. So I saw this glow. <laughs> And the Holy Spirit says, going to be your wife. Just don't talk to her for, for a month. Oh. I had to be obedient, even from the beginning. She was going through something that if I would have bothered her in that bothered her in that month, we wouldn't be here today. Wow. So you get your rewards for being obedient. Mm-hmm. And God had a plan for us to meet. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't know her parents were pastors. Remember how earlier I said that I was prophetized to be a pastor so look how god is putting all the pieces together yeah so now i 
kind of like when the scripture says, right? I believe it's in Romans where the scripture says that the leaves, you know, fall off of those that are not obedient, right? Off his tree. And we, the Gentiles, then get inherited into that tree, right? So now I became a part of a family that are all pastors. They plant churches. They're mission workers. They go to do missionary work. So knowing that that's what God had for me, Mm -hmm. he gave me a family that was for me. And a beautiful one. (laughs) (laughs) And you are so beautiful. Oh, my goodness. And, and, and that's blind, that, that's like literally mind-blowing yeah. to understand that God knew that when I was going to go through this process that I've gone through, I needed her as much as she needed me. Wow, praise God. And when she talks about working together and being a commissioned pastor, God had timing. He said, I'm, I want you guys to work together. Mm-hmm. And so nobody rushed into things. She never asked the RCA, like, I want to be a commissioned pastor now. No. It was all God's timing when I got released, when all this. And so everything just started to really unwrap itself and see God's glory and God's power and his purpose for us as this powerful couple, not for us. We don't want people to give us the glory, the honor, Mm -hmm. but God uses us so then they can glorify the father and see what God does us. Because a lot of people don't believe in God Mm -hmm. or don't believe in anything that has to do with that. But mm-hmm. our lives, our story is mm-hmm. so powerful that that's what I, 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 I pray to God to change their lives through mm-hmm. us and to continue to use us so we can get to them. Or even encourage someone, if you're going through something, <clears throat> see t- testimonies. We read the Bible, but we see testimonies. And what mm-hmm. other testimonies that, you know, they could be like, wow, God did it with them. I know God could do it with me or God could do it with us. So it all, it all has to do, even though it was a pretty picture in the beginning, you know, got married, who, that beautiful picture, the process, ugly picture, he's out, pretty picture, and we're still now in the process and continuing the process. So it's not like, oh, he's out, yay, that's it. No, we got to keep praying. We got to keep finding God because once God opens the door, does miracles, you know what we do? We tend to forget about God. Yeah. We stop praying. We start thanking God. No, that's when we have to keep doing it and keep thanking God and continuing to pray. Mm-hmm. God. Or even like my wife said, or even when you go through a process, people lose their faith mm-hmm. because they say, oh, God doesn't exist or God doesn't love me. But little did, do, do they know that it says it. Um, I have it right here in James 1, 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So be in joy in these trials know that i got a purpose for you in these trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience because in being a pastor having a calling we need to have that patience mm-hmm. but mainly we need to rejoice in these trials and even though for us physically for us humans we look like we're going through literally what's what you want to call hell we're going through mm-hmm. hell because we just got married 26 days and we got separated mm-hmm. how many people how many wives and again would leave their husband. Mm-hmm. How many husbands would just, mm-hmm. I had a lot of people that would deport themselves. And I say, no, hold on. Some would listen. And the ones that listened stayed. And some wouldn't listen. And they got deported. Because mm-hmm. they got frustrated. Because they started to lose their faith. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, do you know how many times I stepped into a court and they say, nope, you will not be released. Mm-hmm. And I would say, devil, you're a liar. And the last time, to make my, because like I said, there's a lot, but to make this shorter, um, 
my last, I mean, in the name of Jesus, I believe it. This is what happened. Um, I preached a lot about having faith, trusting in God mm-hmm. in the midst of everything, in the midst where you see you're drowning. Before you even think you're turning blue and you're about to just give up your last breath and you're dead. No, literally Jesus and God just comes out and, and just grabs your hand and takes you out of there. So March 4th, I got a call from my from my lawyer. And again, we won't say names to protect everybody. Is March 4th, I got a call. And 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 uh, the lawyer said, I got some bad news. And I said, you know what? Before you continue, there is no such thing as bad news. There's just news. Mm. Whatever God has with those news, that's what it's his will. And she goes, well, don't be mad. Um, we got a letter or she said, I got a phone call from I saying that if it wasn't because we put an appeal through the Ninth Circuit. So when they took everything from me, like every meaning, meaning they denied everything, bond, everything. They, they send it to an upper court called the Ninth Circuit, and you could appeal your case. Just like when you're out here, you could appeal something, right? So I, they, they appealed my case, and they said, if it wasn't because you appealed your case, they would have released you a long time ago already. And I said, well, you know what? And I started laughing, and she's like, why are you so happy? I'm like, because the devil's a liar. Why are you trusting and believing in what they're saying? And this lawyer... Uh, mind you, that's what we're saying the names. Uh, not really great believer. I said, you need to trust in God. When I say I trust in God, means I truly trust in him. Meaning I have no doubt that he is in control. Meaning I have no doubt that he's going to take care of me. But I need to understand and you need to understand that I don't have trust and faith in you. I have trust and faith in my God. But I do pray to God that he gives you the wisdom and the strength to fight for me and the others mm. give you the words and he will open the path and to guide you. So you can do the right choice for us, but I don't trust in you. I, I and, and my lawyer just stayed quiet. And the lawyer was like, uh, okay, so what do we do? And I said, just sit still. Because I could have easily told them, well, you know what? Recant that, 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 um, that appeal move on it. I could have yelled at him and like, well, what did you guys do? Why that, you know, I, I could have been upset at them or I could have said, no, move and, and remove it. But I said, no, 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 no. I said, be still. Hmm. God is working. I got to continue my work, preaching his word, building churches in here. See, and, and how amazing is that? Knowing that my in-laws, my, my, uh, my father-in-law, my pastors plant churches. I plant mm-hmm. a church in there. Hmm. And I'm like, I will continue what I do, and you continue in having faith in God. And for some reason, I felt something amazing that day because I knew that was God telling me, okay, I'm going to test you. I'm going to test you one more time and see where your heart is. See if what comes out of you, it's what's in your in your heart, that you really have faith in me. Or, 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 or if you're going to go crazy, right, and tell your your lawyers to start moving, you know, take away that, that appeal, get it back. And look how amazing God is. Mm-hmm. I got that call the next day. And if the release wasn't even amazing, no bond, no nothing. I mean, absolutely. Just the gate opened. It really felt that way because, you know, those of us that were following everything on your Facebook, 
I couldn't believe I, I couldn't believe it because we had, you know, I'd fe- I mean, I realized now it was two months before that we had that we had been um, talking on the podcast, but I'd still like I couldn't believe that it just was like, like it did. It felt like that for those of us that were at a distance, you know, like suddenly it was the yeah. gates of heaven open for you. And I did have a dream about that, too. I had a dream. Um, oh, I had two actually. I had a dream that the gates were open and my husband was coming out. I had a dream about that four months prior to him being released. Mm-hmm. And then when he was also in there about only a year, I had a dream that I was pregnant and I I was expecting a baby girl. And it, I the, the face, I saw the baby's face and it was so like, it was something that I, I couldn't, I can't explain. And when my daughter was born, and mind you, we did not know what we were having. No, we, we well, okay. I'm sorry. So you just had to fill in that that for the listeners. That, oh, okay. that's the that's the other beautiful thing that happens. So you got oh. so <laughs> we're not going into too much detail. Just quickly, just tell because that's you know, you got your ministry, you're starting your commissioned pastor. Alan's continuing to live into his, you know, calling, but also for your family. You got out of jail, you got out of ice detention, you guys had some nice time to connect, and here you are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Baby con, con la baby. <laughs> yeah. so God, God bless you with this beautiful little baby girl. And it seemed, you know, like that just that's part of the last year, right? That you've grown your family. Yeah. And what's crazy is we it was not knowing the sex of the baby. Wow. We we said no, we're we're gonna wait till patience. God taught us patience. People are like, how can you yeah. not want to know? No, we waited. Yeah, so we we actually wanted to have we, we wanted to experience that together, and again, it's one of those things where when you wait on God for Him to give you your spouse, and to the listeners that will listen to us, uh, whether if you're male or female, for God to bring you your wife or husband, doing things the right way, there are great rewards for everything, mm-hmm. and That's when awesome. it's meant to be, and what God unites, no man will separate. separate. And look, the devil wanted to separate us. The man wanted to separate us. The judges wanted to separate us. The lawyers wanted to separate us. The government wanted to separate us. And God said, there is nobody in this world more powerful than me. And did we get separated? Nope. Look at us. Now we're building. God continues to open doors. God continues to open doors with unity, with our ministry, um, with me personally. See, I did heating and air conditioning for 16 years. That's all I know what to do since I was 19. Mm-hmm. That's wow. all I did, heating and air conditioning. Um, and so now God has opened the doors for us to potentially open a business with us. So I'm going. So on, other than going to theological school in New Brunswick, <laughs> in New Jersey, now I go to school to get my my license for HVAC. Uh, um, because, I, you know, I, I prayed to God and I said, God, you know, I don't really want to de- uh, de- de- depend on people to serve you, you know. And so with our church. You know, I don't want to depend on, on on them. You know, I want to be able to for us to provide for the ministry, for your work and this business. If you do that and if that's the main goal is for us to get income, to continue to help families, to continue to help the growth of our ministry. Mm-hmm. And if you give us enough to provide for us and give us blessings and amen. But I remembered about King Solomon. That's what he did. See, he didn't ask for his enemies' heads nor all the riches in the world. He asked, God, give me all the wisdom so I can lead your people. So mm. I can be that person to lead, to lead. And that's what we tell you. know, We tell God, give us that, 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 that wisdom and the daily strength, not of the bread of mankind, but of your word. 
to give us that strength to lead your people, but to also be able to provide for the rest, for everybody, to be able to help those that are in need. And so that's my prior church. So, and then God opened that door. So now on top of all of the ministries, now we add another thing on top of it. <laughs> well, that's the thing is like, you know, part of the questions that I ask my guests is like, where are you cultivating hope today? And so you're just naturally moving right into that of like, this yeah. is where you're cultivating hope that you've got your beautiful family, your little baby girl now that you had had the dream about, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so amazing. Yeah. And so you've got, you know, growing your family and then you're doing ministry and then also this other business using those skills that you had already developed, right? So we always say nothing is lost in God's economy, right? Mm -hmm. God just keeps building on all these things that you already have had previously, and then it's just using them for his glory in new ways, which is so exciting. And did I hear you correctly? You said New Brunswick Theological Seminary? Mm -hmm. That's where we both are attending currently right now. So we have, uh, we're getting our certificate of, uh, of, and then moving on to our masters. And then, you know, we pray to God that he gives us to the, the strength and the wisdom to, to get our doctor's degree in, in, in that as well. Praise God. Well, you know, this is where my studio is here at New Brunswick Theological Seminary. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. That's, that's awesome. So, there, so that I think that's another little sign of the Holy Spirit at work yeah. here, blessing you and just letting yeah. you know you are indeed in the process. You are indeed being obedient uh, exactly as you need to be. Well, you guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing so much of this journey. I'm just wondering, Alan, you know, as we're as we're finishing up, just, you know, as there's got to still be some struggles, there's still some, some challenges for you. Can you just say a little word about like how you're continuing, you know, keeping it real, how you're continuing to move through the things, you know, your challenges that you have and just keeping that hope, but also like, how are you persevering? How are you how are you continuing to build resilience? Um, God's word. Uh, I know it's something that we hear every day and I know we hear every pastor say it. And I know we, we hear it on TV. We hear it in sermons, but the problem is people do not really do it. They say they do. But one of the things that I've learned to, to acknowledge is that we say it, but invisibly to the naked eye with our fingers in the back of our hands, we still hold on to a small little thread of the world by not letting go. Mm -hmm. And we need to break that little threading, that little piece of yarn that we hold on to the world because that is what stops us from being 100% obedient and knowing that God's in trust. I mean, that we trust and that God's in control. Mm -hmm. And I learned that mm -hmm. because I would say, yes, God, you're in control. You, I have faith in you, but I still want to do things my way. Yeah. So is, is that faith? Is that really trusting in God? No, not at all. And I'm not saying you have to go through what I do, I go through. I believe that we go through things because God has chosen us mm -hmm. as children. And we go through things because he's got something great for us to do for his work, his kingdom here on mm -hmm. earth as it is in heaven. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but when it comes to building that, it's just literally staying faithful and deep in the word. You never stop reading the word, never stop, not just reading it, but studying it. If there's one thing that I can tell the listener is to study the word. Maybe if you don't want to go to theological, okay, I get it, but get into a study group. Yeah, yeah. Get into a study group so you can actually understand what 
God, I mean, it's funny because we can read one passage one day and understand it one way and then read it again. And then God puts it another understanding. And it's like, whoa, I now I realize what God is trying to speak to me through that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how I could encourage and teach people is to really let go. Mm-hmm. But not just say it. Saying it is nothing. I can say it. But you really have to be able to live it. Mm-hmm. And, and people are going to be able to see it through your testimony and how you walk by faith, not by sight anymore. We have to walk by faith. And when we understand that, we know that God is in control. And you feel some type of way where we don't worry about anything. You know, mm-hmm. because of my case right now and because of everything, I don't work right now. Because, mm-hmm. you know, legally in the state of California or in the U.S., without a work, if you're, if you're an immigrant, without a worker's permit, you can't work. That's the law. Wow. Regardless of how you want to interpret that, because a lot of people say, yeah, but I got to survive and I got to live. I understand that. But you also have to be wise. And also, God says you must listen to the earthly laws, because if you cannot obey the earthly laws, how can you obey my laws? So he put people here with the capacity and the wisdom to make laws for us to have a righteous way of living. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you cannot work. But look, God still sustains our roof. Every day I have a meal. Two, three meals a day. And mm-hmm. I don't work. That's mm-hmm. because I've learned to completely let God in control. I got mm-hmm. brothers and sisters from church that say, here's $40. God just told me. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it was for to eat or to provide. Mm-hmm. But, see, but it's because it's, I'm not in control. It's because God is in control. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that we need to. And now when it comes to me being out here now, um, there are things that are still very hard to adapt to. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about the sleeping arrangements. You know, even though I have my beautiful wife here and I have a whole king size bed to myself, um, I sleep in a little corner. Mm-hmm. It was something that you get adapted to when I was in detention center. The beds are very little. And I'm a big guy. And the beds are maybe like, I don't know, I want to say about... You're bigger than the bed. <laughs> like three feet wide, right? Mm-hmm. And wherever you move, you're literally hanging out of the bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just got, you know, you just got in your little corner. And that's it because there's bars in the bed. So you can't really move around or stretch because you hit yourself. And mm-hmm. so even till the day, now that I'm, I've been uh, released for 11 months, my wife, she still finds me in that little corner of the bed, even though I have a whole king size bed. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part is, is since I got certain, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, pharmaceutical drugs that were given to me in there for my heart and all that. Um, because you I, have a heart, you have a heart condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a low beat. So basically what it is, is when I went to the hospital, it was because I was literally fainting. Mm-hmm. I would turn cold my hands. See how they're beautiful right now? Mm-hmm. It would be like purplish, pinkish, reddish. Circulation um, not going. Correct. Yeah. But there was no loss of circulation. It was just my heart that was oh. beating very low. So I got as low as 35 beats per minute. And I believe 34, 33, your heart stops. Yeah. So the first time that I went to the hospital, they didn't let me sleep for two days. Because they needed to keep me up and my heart. So they would. And so basically what happened was, and again, no names so we can protect everybody Mm -hmm. and myself, is since we're not given the proper nutrition, Mm -hmm. people need to know that. 
is mm-hmm. we don't get the proper nutrition. Mm-hmm. Everybody's heart is different. So mine didn't know how to react to the loss of minerals, to the mm-hmm. loss of protein, to the loss of, you know, any other kind of stuff that I need vitamins. Um, and because of that, my, my, cause your heart is a muscle. So my heart got weak. Um, and so what the first thing they did to me in the hospital is they pumped me with um, IV, but that was full of potassium, calcium, magnesium, all those things that, and, and, we, and, I, and they gave me a lot of protein to build that muscle back up again to where the third, fourth day, my heart would start to get up to the forties and the fifties. But even till the day, my heart um, does not beat as normal as everybody else's. You know, everybody's is from 60 to hundred. Mm-hmm. So mine is below, like even when I'm sleeping, I do have a watch that tests my heart rate when I'm sleeping. Sometimes it drops down to like 45 and I see it because I can see it on the record of my phone on the app and it mm-hmm. shows me the last 24 hours and it does that. Um, <clears throat> so whether I got it in there or not, and again, it's just for my protection and for everybody else's, you know, all I know is God was in control, but those are the mm-hmm. things that I did go through there. You know, like I said, the malnutrition, the food was was not good at all. Sometimes you give mm-hmm. food bad. For even in solitary, when he couldn't call me, and he only had like one hour just to go out, and the rest twenty three hours inside a cell. And that was because mm-hmm. again, you know, I was preaching God's word, mm-hmm. and that was my punishment. Literally, the yard was a dog's cage. That's mm-hmm. what it was. You are you, so they would give you a, a a piece of fake grass, and you would be locked up in a cage. That was your yard time. And wow. that was for less than an hour. Mm-hmm. Wow. And so I, they wouldn't be able to shower me. Yeah. Um, and so they did a lot of things that, again, that were very um, not professional that, you know. They well, it's spirit breaking, right? It breaks you right. down. It's, you know, your humanity and your spirit get broken down. And so just that's part of your process now, right? You're saying you're 11 months out and you're still in recovery Mm -hmm. from that experience in there. So that's just important for listeners to know that this is your, you know, this talk of process, right? That's part of what this process is that yes, you're, you're excited to go and do all these things, right. That God is calling you to do. But at the same time, um, Alan, I just, I'm so moved by how you are, um, still in that process of overcoming some of the side effects, right. The rep, the, the kind of ongoing effects, and God is faithful. God is with you, right? And you know, Pastora, as a wife's point of view, and I encourage all the wives, because if it's even husbands or wives listening to this podcast, we have to learn how to be patient, mm. vice versa. Because him being there for 11 months in the beginning, it's like, hug me. I want to, but I had to realize, understand that's what he went through. And mm-hmm. so we have to be supportive to our spouse during that process and mm-hmm. be there for them and help them in mm-hmm. any other shape or form that they. They are instead of being upset or mad at them, help them during that process. Yes, because you would think being away from your 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 spouse for so long, you and it's just me, like you said, being real, being honest, yeah. is you want to be all over them, right? Like mm-hmm. all over them. And to realize that that's the complete opposite. No, it is, because you were so used of not being with him. You, you just that's not what first comes out naturally. And so when my wife says that is because we don't want the wife or the husband to feel that it's not that they don't want to be wanted or loved. It's just, especially depending on how much time you've been in there, mm-hmm. as you create these just routines, you create by these yourself. by yourself. I was, I was by myself. Survival mode, right? You've been, yeah. You're in survival mode. So in the beginning, <laughs> she would be like, you know, why don't you hug me? I'm like, it's just, I'm sorry. I, I it's. And to and even sometimes to the day it's 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 hard, 
because again, being apart from her for so long, it's not that I don't love her. Oh, this I would do anything for this woman. Uh, she is my 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 everything, and so and, and especially because it's not because I chose her, because God chose her. Mm. Well, that's the mm. reason why. Mm. And so it's not a love; it's just naturally, just it, it was something that was just in me to not be around. And another thing is like I was talking earlier is just not being around people. Yeah. I still freak out a little bit when it's large crowds, and I say, "Oh, I, I don't want to go," or "Can we leave?" Just mm. because I'm not used to that. Yeah. And I feel not claustrophobic, but I just feel like it's just too much for me. Sure. It's way too much. And it, and I've been out 11 months. Yeah. And even when we went to the mall for the first time that he got out, he was just like, yeah. like, I started to see, I'm like, are you okay? And he was like, no, baby, I just, can we go? And that's where the support, because, you know, that's where the supportive side has to come in. Okay, let's go. Now, come on, just give me like 10 more minutes. No, no, no. You got to be supportive because I didn't have that trauma that he went through. Yes, my right. trauma was me not being with you but my life here was quick you know you know life outside is fast and to be patient with him um when he does things you know sometimes he takes his time and i'm like babe we gotta get going you know we gotta move but i have to learn and we have to learn as wives or husbands vice versa whoever's going through Mm -hmm. to be patient during the process with your yeah that's so good well, listen, you guys, thank you so much for all this sharing. This has been a beautiful time. And we have gone through so many different I know. pieces, like so rich, right? They, when they say something is rich, this has been a rich time. So thank you so much. And I'll make sure um, that we communicate in the outro all the different ways that people can be in touch with you guys on Facebook or on, your, on Radio Impacto and at, if they want to come and visit you at your church so that I know people are going to want to connect with you guys and just hear more about what God is doing and receive that beautiful encouragement and inspiration yeah, so thank and you so and much you know anyone too like like we said we're looking for people if you anyone pastora if you know anyone that's going through an immigration process and they're out of state how can we help them so you know have an ear open ear so we could do that and help those wonderful wonderful thank you so much thank god you. bless you and your beautiful family and your ministries thank you pastora. You. bye have a good day Thanks so much for listening. I hope this episode has given you inspiration, insights, and ideas for what lavish hope, resilience, and overcoming mean for you in your own life and calling. If you'd like to be in touch with Jael and Alan, they'd welcome that. You can find them on, and you better be ready to type this in or write it in. Their Unity nonprofit is unityest19.com. That's unityest19.com. That's both their website and their Instagram handle. Then the Path Church, which is the English language of La Senda Church in Corona, California, that is on Instagram at the.path.church. Then radio, they can be found in Southern California at 105.5 FM, in the Dominican Republic at 1440 AM, in Pittsburgh, Texas at 91.1 FM. Then their website is Radio Impacto, that's radioimpacto.org. And then they're also a radio app, 
Radio Impacto, Radio Impacto 105.5 FM. So you have lots of ways to engage with them. And they would, as JL has said at the end of the interview, they would particularly love to hear from you if you have insights or um, connections for them about detainees and their families that need their support. So please feel free to reach out to them and connect on that matter as well. If you enjoyed this Lavish Hope podcast, please subscribe, leave a review, and share any place you're on social. You can also connect with me directly at altesta at rca.org. This episode is brought to you by faithword.org, an online learning community where you'll find ideas for living out your faith, reflections on scripture and church, stories about how other Christians are following God's call, and resources to bring your own church or organization along for the ride. The Lavish Hope Podcast is produced by Anna Radcliffe with assistant production by Lorraine Parker, sound design by Garrett Steyer, and web support by Grace Ryder and Barb Ellis. Hosted by yours truly, Liz Testa. Until next time, may you find ways to cultivate lavish hope and build resilience each and every day. God bless you.